Thank you for tuning in. My prayer is that this message is going to be an encouragement to you personally and will cause great growth in your life. It's time to live and it's time to take this next step forward. God bless you as you listen. Go ahead and get a Bible out and get some notes out. Open your Bibles up to 1 Samuel 30. I, I, uh, I woke up early this morning and and uh, I usually get up between 4, 4.15 on Sunday mornings. And I kind of just uh, try to, pre- I just begin to prepare my heart for the day. That's a, that's a normal routine for me on Sundays. I've been doing that for years and years and years. Uh, but this morning I woke up and the sermon that I had prepared was not burning on my heart. Now, it always is. I mean, I tell you, like it, it always is. It's just always burning. It's right there. And, and this morning's sermon just wasn't burning on my heart. And I was like, what is wrong with me? Just what, what, what is wrong with me? Why am I not feeling this fire? Uh, because I felt it as I was preparing it. And then this morning it wasn't there. And I thought, well, uh, maybe I just need some coffee. So I got me a bunch of coffee and nothing changed. <laughs> well, maybe I need to pray for a little bit. I prayed for a little bit. Nothing changed. Uh, so I, I, I came up to the office and and uh, I thought, well, maybe I'm just overthinking this. You know, maybe sometimes I think, well, I'm just, my brain is being overactive. And so I'm just overthinking this thing. And so I went and, and uh I got to the office and I started going through my notes and I just, it's so funny because I, I got to my notes for my message and I, I don't like this part, I don't like this part, I don't like this part and I just started Xing stuff out and then, and then it got, uh, it, I just came down to the core scripture and I, I, walked, I went through it and, and I feel like, I just don't feel like this is what God wants. Now God, I, I had a little chat with God. So I, I got up, walked out of the office, walked up and down the halls for a little while and I said, God, we talked about this. I, 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 we had a conversation. Conversation. He's and and I felt like God saying, "Yeah, and I've got a conversation with you now too. I uh, I want you to scrap the message. I, I really felt that. Just scrap it. And and so right now, it, please understand, it's seven thirty. I'm going to be preaching at eleven o'clock. <laughs> so uh, time to scrap the message and start over. Like, well, how do I start over? What, what do I do? I, I I was praying, God, what do I do? And really, really, I, I honestly believe I felt God say, I want you to go back and I want you to write the message I told you to write a couple weeks ago. And I just immediately knew 1 Samuel 30. So I went back to 1 Samuel 30 and I was like, well, it's been a long time since I preached on this passage and I, I didn't pull up any notes or anything. So I just got into the text. I started reading and underlining and, and it, I, I felt the fire. I felt the fire. And so I'm like, okay, this is it. This is it. This is it. And, and, uh, and so I'm going to share with you something today that I really believe is very, very fresh from God. And just as like I had my plans and I was going along, God said, okay, I've got an interruption here. I need for you to pivot. I need for you to go a different direction. And really, that's what every one of us have had to do over the past few weeks. Uh, Overnight, uh, your world changed. Mine did too. And things are different. Uh, Some of you who were working are not working. Others of you have had reduced or lost income. Uh, some of you are struggling. Maybe you're struggling with family strife or family pain and, and the, even the, possibly the stress of isolation. It's just taking over and, and uh, it's getting really, really old. It might have been cool at first, but it's not cool anymore, you know? 
Some of you, 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 uh, you're feeling like your business is decimated. Where's that loan that I was going to get from the government? And there's no end in sight, really. And then when we think things are going to open up in Texas, well, the governor says now people can deliver stuff to your house. <laughs> that, that, was, that was the opening up of business. And so it's, this is, this is tough. This is tough. And everything has shifted overnight. So today's, I've uh, entitled my message, When All Seems Hopeless. Write that in your notes, When All Seems Hopeless, because I do believe God's going to speak to your heart today. Um, this, this message that I'm going to share with you is a story captured in the Bible uh, in 1 Samuel 30. But before, a uh, long time before David was even the king of Israel, David was leading a band of um, societal rejects. These were a bunch of men that, that nobody cared about. These were some, some, uh, some guys who had had stuff on their record and didn't look good. They couldn't get a job kind of a thing. And, and th- these, these people had uh, clustered around David. And David basically built a militia out of these guys. Like, well, these guys are fighters, so we can just go and protect Israel. And, and, and he was actually living just outside of Israel's borders in this little town called Ziklag. Ziklag for, uh, for David and for his men. It was, it was like a, uh, it was like a little city of refuge. And so there were about 600 men who were with him, uh, along with their wives, their children, their moms and dads and grandparents. So, so there probably would have been a couple thousand people in this camp that David had set up there in the city of Ziklag. And so I will get your Bibles now open to 1 Samuel chapter 30, and we're going to look at verse 1 because, and as we're going into this, please see that David and his men are coming back from battle. Everything looks great. They're happy. They've been expanding the territory in Israel. Everything's going well, and they're heading home to see their family. Uh, they're, they're thinking about, oh, I'm going to see my wife. My children are going to come running up to me. I'm going to pick them up and spin them in the air, and we're going to play. We're going to laugh. We're all going to go fishing together or whatever. And, and they were just looking forward to some downtime. They couldn't wait to get there. But as they were coming over the hill toward their city, smoke was rising. Panic set into their hearts. First Samuel chapter 30, verse one, look at it. I'm reading from the New International Version. It says, David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. They've been traveling three days. Now, the Amalekites important word right there, had raided the Negev and Ziklag. And they had attacked Ziklag and burned it. Now, I want to pause there for just a second. I want to talk to you for just a second about the Amalekites. I did a study this morning on the Amalekites, and I've never done it before. Like, what was, what was it about these people? Was there a spirit that was driving them? And what I discovered was unbelievable. The, the term, uh, the Amalekites are the descendants of a man by the name of Amalek. But the, the name Amalekites mean people who lick blood. That's actually what they're called, the people who lick blood. Uh, the Jews, even today, believe that the Amalekites are the archetypal enemy of God's people. Uh, they, they, they see the Amalekites as the, the purest form of evil that's ever existed. 
I, I didn't even know that. Uh, I, I looked into to their background, and they worship ba- Baal or Baal. Uh, Baal. Uh, Baal was a was a was a god. It was a huge, ugly idol with horns, and and uh, it was a horrible idol that a lot of the people worshipped in that time. Uh, they called uh, this this Baal god. They called him the King of the Gods. They called him Lord, Prince of the Earth. They called him He who rides on the clouds, the Lord of the heavens, which you see is all uh, like. Like a, a, a phony image of God himself. But what worshipers would do with this God, this idol, is they would come around this idol and they begin to worship this idol, especially when things were going tough. And they would take their babies, they would take their infants, and they would slaughter their infants, and they would burn their infants alive, usually. And... Uh, and they would sacrifice their babies to this demon god, and they would dance around the altar, and, and, uh, and the, the priests would dance, and they would cut themselves, and blood would gush everywhere, and it was ugly, ugly sight. And here's what's even more interesting. Historically, in world history, there have been some groups of people that have aligned themselves with the Amalekites, basically saying they are the Amalekites reborn. So in other words, they're saying we have the spirit of Amalek. That includes the Nazis. You see that? That includes Stalin and the Stalinists. The Palestinians also say that. These people are all, they, these, these are the mass murderers of the world. Uh, even, I, I, I found it interesting that even in the, in the Old Testament, there's a character by the name of Haman who appears in the book of Esther. And, uh, and Haman was a descendant of Amalek. Haman was the man who tried to kill all the Jews in Persia until God anointed Esther to intervene. Many of you guys know that story from the book of Esther. So you see, the spirit of Amalek is serious business. Serious business. And one thing I, I really feel, and I want you guys to catch this early on in this message... I believe part of what we're facing today is a spirit of Amalek trying to assault and harm God's people. See, Amalek actually is a representation of atheism. It's total rejection of God. The Amalekites, you know what they were renowned for doing? They would abandon their sick. They would abandon the weak. In fact, one of their battle strategies, which we even see in the book of Exodus, is they would come around a group of people and they would pick off the weak people. They would find the older people or the younger people or people who are sick and they, they would come and they would pick them off. Anyone who's lagging behind, they, they annihilate them. It was all about survival of the fittest. These are very, very evil people motivated by a very, very deep demonic presence. Now you're catching what I'm talking about. The Amalekites did this to their camp. And look at verse 2. And they had taken captive the women and everyone else in it, both the young and the old. They killed none of them, and that's important because the Amalekites were renowned for killing, so they were saving them for something. They were saving, we don't know what they were saving them for, but they were saving them for something. Uh, it could have been for Baal worship, it could have been for slavery, uh, we, we don't know. But it says they killed none of them, but they carried them off uh, as they went on their way. And when David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters taken captive. You see, this spirit of Amalek is a spirit of destruction. It's a spirit of 
theft. It's actually like what we sang about just a few moments ago about from John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. You see, this spirit of Amalek is all about fracturing and dividing family. It's about destruction of economy. It's about an annihilation of everything you've worked for, all right? And for them, they're walking into this. Their families are fractured. Their families are gone. Everything they've worked for is gone. It's gone. And it felt hopeless. I mean, how do you feel when the rug is pulled out from under you? And some of you, some of you who are watching right now, you feel that way right now. You know what I'm talking about. You feel like the rug's been pulled out from under you and everything that was going for you is now going against you. I believe it's that spirit of Amalek. Let's take a look back at verse 4. So, so David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. Can you imagine? Here are these warriors, 600 warriors, and they're just in this camp. Everything's burned up, and they're sobbing and sobbing and sobbing and sobbing. Where's my children? Where's my dad and mom? Where, where's my wife? Much less their possessions, their tents, everything's burned up. Verse 5 says David's two wives had been captured. Now, I'll just pause there for a second. I don't know what David was doing with two wives. <laughs> I, I, I do, I'm not a proponent of this. Actually, those of you who say, aha, we caught something in the Bible that thought David was a good guy. He's a polygamist. Yeah. And actually, the scriptures <laughs> did say earlier. It's true. The scriptures actually did say earlier, if David would have been reading them, that you're not supposed to have more than one wife. So David was actually messed up there. So just throw that out there. It, it's always good. I, I don't mind preaching the whole word of God. So here we go. All right. At least let you know David didn't have it all together. Okay. But David's two wives have been captured. Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. Look at verse 6. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Now, hold on. It's not just like David had lost his family, not like he had just lost everything that he had. Now, all of the people who were following him were now saying, let's kill the leader. You know, so when, every, when something doesn't go right, what do you do? Well, you kill the leader. And that's what was going on here. He says, because everyone was bitter in spirit because of his sons and his daughters. So really what we see here is it went from bad to worse. Uh, this spirit of Amalek, it brought in hopelessness. And I'm telling you, Many of you right now, you're facing distress and bitterness. Those same words that we find David and his men were struggling with as that spirit of Amalek came and brought the destruction. Uh, I looked at that word distressed, and that means to be strained and to be vexed. Like you can't even, uh, you don't even know what to do. What in the world do you do? It's like you're just, it means like you're going through a tight, tight, narrow place and you just can't get through. Bitterness speaks of anger and disappointment for being treated unfairly. And that is how they were feeling treated at that time. That's how they were feeling like this is what I've been dealt with. And again, distress and bitterness could very likely be something that's seeping into your heart and life. I want you to understand it right here, right up front. It's because of what the spirit of Amalek has tried to do to you and to your family. And I'm going to give you the tools. I'm going to give you the blueprint, the template on how to fight back. 
Looking back, though, at 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6, the second part of that verse, the very end of it, it says, But David found strength in the Lord his God. He couldn't find strength from his family. They were gone. He couldn't find strength from his possessions. They were gone. He couldn't get strength from, the, from his followers, from the, the, the army, because they were going to kill him. Who did he find strength from? He found strength from the Lord. Now, this is where the tables begin to turn, because strength, it's found in God. I want you to get that down. Strength is found in God. David knew that, but of course he's being, he's just overwhelmed with sorrow and, and everything. But, but, but this strength that comes from God brings victory over destruction and theft of what the spirit of Amalek would want to do to you. And it, it brings you victory over your distress and your bitterness. God's strength defeats Amalek. When it all feels hopeless, God's strength is there. You see, but I like there's another, there's another version in the, the New King James, the King James, that also says David strengthened himself in the Lord. Okay, now wait a minute. We like to sometimes think God's just going to give me some strength. So, okay, go God. Oh, I didn't feel strong. See, God doesn't care. Now, hold on a second here. There's nothing in the Bible that says, okay, God, give me strength. Up, up, didn't happen. I, no, no, no. David strengthened himself in the Lord. You see, David knew how to do this. In fact, one of the things that I did after I had finally prepared this message is I went over to several of the Psalms of David and I looked at what he had penned and what he had written of how he had strengthened himself in the Lord over and over again. He's like, when my enemies are against me, God, I'm just going to worship you. God, when there seems like there's no way, God, I'm going to worship you. He just keeps saying, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to think about you. I'm going to worship you. So he's worshiping God. God, I love you. God, thank you for your blessings. God, thank you for your goodness. When he's lost his family, when he's lost his home, when he's lost his possession, and when his followers are wanting to kill him. That defies logic. But worship defies logic. Worship defies logic. If you're going to defeat the spirit of Amalek in your life, you're going to have to do something that defies logic. Everyone right now, they're following the logical path. Well, let's just be grouchy and let's be gripey and let's be sad and let's be mopey. Let's attack the leaders. Oh, you know, we don't like this person or that person. You go, stop the nonsense. (laughs) That's the spirit of Amalek who's trying to pick off the weakest among us. And he's also trying to, to destroy any area of weakness. You see, right now, one of the things that's happening in our culture uh, is, is that areas of weakness in our own lives, uh, whether it's emotional or relational, financial or whatever, those areas of weakness now have been attacked. Do you see that? Those areas of weakness have been attacked. They've been attacked by hell. They've been attacked by that spirit of Amalek. And if you're going to have that back, if you're going to take it back, You're going to have to fight. You're going to have to begin to worship God in the middle of this trial. See, strength came. Strength came. Strength came. God's strength came to David, and he began worshiping God. I love this, though, because I thought, wait a minute. Okay, I'm sitting in my office, and right now it's, it's by this time, almost 9 o'clock. I'm thinking, two hours till preaching time, and and I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. I thought Moses and Joshua fought the Amalekites also. 
And I looked back and I'm like, well, sure enough, they did. I'm glad I went to college. Okay. <laughs> so, so, uh, and I just want to read this to you in Exodus chapter 17, verse 10. This is interesting because they had fought the Amalekites before, but it's so interesting because the way they overcame was the same way, which shows me this is a spirit that's at work. Okay. Listen to this. Exodus chapter 17, verse 10. This is actually one of my favorite Bible stories as a kid, because I love the imagery of it. It says, Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. So here's Moses going up to this hilltop. Here's Aaron and Hur. These are his assistants standing beside him. Joshua is out leading the battle. And look at this. It says, or listen to this. This is Exodus 17, 10, and 11. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. He kept his hands up. It was like he was in worship to God. You know, sometimes we'll say, well, lift your hands if you feel comfortable. Well, I don't think Moses felt comfortable lifting his hands. I don't mind saying that, but come on, listen to this. It says, as long as he was holding up his hands, the Israelites were were winning. But when he just didn't feel comfortable, I just don't feel like that. The Amalekites started to win. So when Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on the other side, one on the other, and his hands remained steady until sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with a sword. And then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it. Because, okay, listen, I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Now, hold on there for a second, because I read that and I thought, wait a minute. No, they came back during the time of David. No, you're going to hear in just a minute, David does defeat them, but we don't hear from the Amalekites ever again. It took another battle hundreds of years later, but they're gone. The prophecy was given here. I'm going to wipe them out. They They were defeated in that battle because of worship. All right. Then it says Moses built an altar and called it the Lord is my banner. That's one of the names of God, Jehovah Nissi. And he said, because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. Okay, now then I saw that part. I'm like, well, now it just, I thought they were going to get wiped out, but the Lord is against the Amalekites from generation to generation. That means it's going to keep going on. What does that mean? I really believe it's this. It's the spirit of Amalek. It's the spirit of the Amalekites, that spirit that God continues to fight against. And he empowers us to fight against it. He fights with us through our worship. So when all seems hopeless, strength and victory comes through worship. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Come on, go back to 1 Samuel 30. Look at verse 7. It says, Then David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech. So he goes to the priest. Obviously there was one guy who was on his side there. And he says, Bring me the ephod. And Abiathar brought it to him. Now the ephod was actually a, a linen priestly garment that, that uh, only priests would wear and they would go into the presence of God and they would pray. So there would have been this place, a tent, where, where the, only the, the priests would be. But David said, I want the priestly garment. Now, David's not a priest. I want the priestly garment because I want to go inquire of God. Wow. Well, the priest said, okay, you're the boss, whatever. I love that because what David actually did there is he broke the rules. He boldly went in and went directly to God. Now, some of you just kind of freaked out. David broke the rules. Don't let my children hear that. No, hold on, hold on here. I want you to look at verse 8. 
because this is good. It says, and David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue the raiding party? Will I overtake them? Here's what God said. Pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and you will succeed in the rescue. So basically it's this. When all seems hopeless, you need to reject what I call the fake rules that are in your head. Because you put some fake rules in your head. And these fake rules say, well, I'm not good enough to go to God. I, don't, I can't press into God. If I worship God, you know, somebody's going to say, who do you think you are? Are you some goody-goody? What's your problem? And I know I'm not a goody-goody. Therefore, I, I can't do this. See, those are fake rules. Those are fake rules. And David broke the rules and he went in and God said, pursue. You're going to overtake them and you'll succeed. Pursue, overtake. See, write those words down. Come on. Pursue, overtake, succeed. That is how you are going to go to battle against this spirit of Amalek. All right. So press in anyway. Press it, break, just break the rules that are in your mind. And say, oh, I can't, I, I'm not good enough. If you only knew, it's like, I don't want to know. You know, just go to God. Because yeah, yeah. when all seems hopeless, God will empower you to pursue, to overtake and succeed. Pursue, overtake, succeed. And you'll do it through your worship. You will do it through your prayers. Encourage yourself yes. in the Lord. Yes. All right, look down at verse 16, 1 Samuel 30, 16. Uh, as you're finding that, uh, just to let you know, Dave, uh, David did go ahead and begin to pursue. And they, they found this Egyptian slave who had gotten sick. And just like the Amalekites like to do, up, oh, you're sick, we're dumping you. So they dumped him, left him to die. And they came upon this guy, this, they, 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 and then David's people gave him, uh, gave him some food and encouraged him and said, come on, show us where they are. And, the, and this guy was protected and blessed and all that. So you see how God's people respond differently than the spirit of Amalek. The spirit of Amalek is always about jettisoning any kind of weak, weak area or any weak person. I tell you what, that's dangerous stuff. Um, and so... He says this in verse 16. It says, he, the Egyptian slave, led David down, and there they were, scattered over the countryside, eating, drinking, and reveling because of the great amount of plunder they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from Judah. Verse 17. So David fought them from dusk. Okay, he's still, he's doing it. The pursuit. He's fighting. He fought them from dusk until the evening of the next day. Uh, do you realize that's 24 hours? And not, and they were tired as it was. Okay. In fact, a couple hundred of the soldiers couldn't even go on. They had left them back at the Jordan River. Okay. But, but, but uh, none of them got away except for 400 young men who rode off on camels and fled. And then verse 18, David recovered. So he pursued. Now David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken, including his two wives. (laughs) Nothing was missing. Nothing was missing. You see, now just hold on for a second. Would he have gotten any of this if he would not have fought back? No, actually he would have been destroyed. He would have been dead. The guys would have killed him. He had to fight back against that spirit of Amalek. Nothing was missing, missing, young or old, boy or girl, plunder or anything else they had taken. And David brought everything back. He took all the flocks and the herds and his men drove them ahead of the other livestock saying, this is David's plunder. And I was just thinking, well, you know what? All their tents were burned. Well, of course, they got a bunch of brand new tents from, from the uh, Amalekites. So, so they took back all that. They ended up with more than they even started with. That's what God said. Pursue 
overtake and you will have success. Success means there's an abundance on the other side of the valley. Success means there's abundance if you're willing to roll up your sleeves and fight that spirit of Amalek. Now I want to pray for encouragement for you from the Lord. I, I want to pray that you will have the courage, all of you, to pursue, to overtake, and to succeed. Don't you dare let that spirit of Amalek defeat you and pull you down. I want to pray for you right now. I want to pray for for you as you're watching too. It's time to rise up. We're not playing church here. We're engaging the God of the universe, and I want you to engage him as well. And the way we do this is through our worship. Don't forget, it's through our worship. I can't wait for next Sunday night when we have our, our city life night coming up. It's going to be a night of worship, and there's going to be an assault that's going out on hell. But I want to pray for you right now. God, I just pray for everyone in this room. Pray for my family and my friends that are around me. And I pray, God, that we will have the courage to worship you, not whether we feel like it or not. God, Moses worshiped you. He lifted his hands when he didn't feel like it. Oh, God, God, David worshiped you when he didn't feel like it. So, God, we choose to worship you in understanding that worship is going to defeat that spirit of Amalek, that, that spirit that comes to destroy, that spirit that comes to steal and take away and attack our weaknesses. God, we just pray for there to be a release of the power of God in our lives, in our families, and in our homes. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we choose to be worshipers. We choose to be worshipers. We choose to be worshipers. If you're watching here right now and you're not in right relationship with Jesus, I want you to have the opportunity before we go any further to make the decision to follow Jesus. He wants to come into your life. He wants to cleanse you of your sin, wash you, and make you brand new as if you've never sinned. That's what he does for you. Again, you might say, I don't know if I... Yes, yes. You know what? Don't say, I don't know. You just go to Jesus and watch what will happen. He wants to give you a new life. He wants to give you a fresh start. He wants to wipe the slate clean in your life. If that's you, you know you need your sin forgiven. You're ready to move forward. Pray this prayer with me. Just pray it out loud with me. Whisper it. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I'm sorry for the way that I've lived. Will you wash me in your precious blood? I give my life to you. Today I give up my past and I embrace the future that you have for me. It's time for me to live. In Jesus' name, amen. Now listen, if you prayed that prayer with me, or maybe you're, you're even ready to be baptized in water. You say, you know what? I need to be baptized in water. I want to take my next big step forward. I want you to let me know with a response on either one of those. Just say, hey, I prayed that prayer, or I, I need to be baptized in water. And whether you're watching live or, or watching uh, on demand later on, just text 817-203-4565. Text that number set and just say, I prayed the prayer today. Or just say, I'm, I need to be baptized in water and I'll be back with you. I will be back with you because God has amazing things that he wants to do in your life. It's time to draw a line in the sand between the way you were and the way that you are now. And, and I'm telling you, church, it's also time to rise up and get in fighting mode against the spirit of Amalek. You're not going to let him have your life, your family. You're not going to let him tear apart everything that was weak or barely hanging on. Because I tell you, one of the other things I love about this story 
It's beautiful. I wasn't going to tell this, but man, I've just got to tell it. There's another part of the story that I left out on purpose, but it really does fit in. Those 600 men that were going with David to go back and fight, 200 of them were so tired, so worn out, they couldn't even do it. And so they stayed. They stayed actually just, just outside the Jordan. They, couldn't, they didn't have the strength to do it. Did David or God's people turn on them because they didn't have strength? No. David, the other 400 went on. They fought in the battle. When they came back, though, some of David's guys said, hey, these guys weren't fighting. We're not going to give them any of the plunder. Actually, they were already being infected with the spirit of Amalek. But you see, what David did, understanding the spirit of Amalek, is to destroy the weak, to pull down the weak, and, and to make them weaker. No, here's what David said. said, no, I don't care whether they were here or whether they were fighting. Everybody gets an equal share. You see, that's what God wants for you. And, and, and if you're listening right now and you say, but I've not pulled my weight. Well, you know what? You need to stop it. You need to drop that and you need to start moving forward. Yesterday is yesterday is yesterday. God has plans for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.